0: Hi, my name is Bethany Lewis. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm a life coach that loves to be inspired, and I'm using these classes as a way to share some of the inspiration that has come my way. I hope it's as inspiring for you as it has been for me. I also want to let you know that coaching with me is an option. If you feel like coaching could be helpful for you but are not sure you can afford it, please jump on my wait list. I'm reserving two to three spots every week for free coaching for those who can't pay for whatever reason. I will rotate through the list, and when your name comes up, we'll schedule a time. If you want to be coached sooner than later or have regularly scheduled sessions, please book a session with me. You can contact me through my website, which is www.lifeinspiredcoach.com. While there, check out the testimonials of people that have been coached by me. I love coaching so much and would honestly love to be your coach. Please do hit me up. Now, on to class. Enjoy. All right. I wanted to start off with some background about myself, why I'm qualified to talk about lessons from children. (laughs) And the reason is because I've had experience with kids. That's my, my reasoning here. So I am the oldest of six kids and I have five little brothers and our house was fun and crazy, and there was a lot of wrestling and a lot of fart jokes that happened in my house growing up. And I did a lot of babysitting for my family and for other families, and I just have always loved little kids and ended up getting to have six of my own. So I have a lot of experience with little people. I have four boys and two girls, and right now they're ranging in age from 12 down to one and a half. So the lessons that I will be sharing tonight come from my observations of them and interactions with them. So you may be wondering why we're doing a coaching class on kids stories, (laughs) Um, but stay with me. I feel like stories and analogies are kind of the most memorable way of approaching learning. And the life lessons that I've gained from these experiences can benefit any adult who wants to see things from another light. And I'll get coachy. I'll share some really good advice, (laughs) in my opinion, but these, these things are things that have helped me in my life. And so this is why I want to share them. You know, one of the beautiful things about kids is that their perspective is so different from ours and they just see things in a pure and innocent light and are unhindered by the pressures of society that we adults tend to take on all too heavily. Before we jump into stories about kids, I wanted to give some quotes about kids that I found just to get us in the mood of thinking how great kids are. And some of these are inspirational and some of them are cute and funny. And I will put the quotes and the people that they're attributed to in the show notes in case anybody's interested in in learning more about them. But these quotes are pretty cute. So children are the hands by which we take hold of heaven. The soul is healed by being with children. Children. Every child you encounter is a divine appointment, which I think is a sweet one. You can learn many things from children. How much patience you have, for instance. Children see magic because they look for it. While we try to teach our children all about life, our children teach us what life is all about. I cried once when I read that one. (laughs) It's a good one. Pretty much all the honest truth-telling there is in the world is done by children children seldom misquote in fact they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said (laughs) don't worry that children never listen to you worry that they are always watching you children are a great comfort to us in our old age and they help us reach it faster too if you want your children to be intelligent read them fairy tales if you want them to be more intelligent read them more fairy tales Supposedly, this was by Albert Einstein, which I thought was sweet. (laughs) Um, A characteristic of the normal child is that he doesn't act that way very often. That is very true. The best inheritance a parent can give his children is a few minutes of his time each day. And then one more, this one's supposedly by C.S. Lewis, and I love it. It says, children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. So beautiful things. Oh, I lied. There is one more quote (laughs) about kids before I start sharing quotes by kids. So this one is from the Bible and in Matthew 18, the disciples came to Jesus and asked who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me." And I love this perspective. It's good to remember who our real role models should be, the ones who can show us what really truly matters in life. And it's these little ones with their pure perspective and the way they accurately reflect to us who we really are, and their innocent and unhindered reactions to life challenges. I hope I can be more like them. All right. So story number one, I read this. I don't even remember what I was looking at. We have, we write down quotes from kids that are cute or funny. And I must've been looking at one of those lists at one point. And this kind of sparked the idea of having this as a class. A few years back, we were at the zoo in Chicago and there's a playground there and the kids were playing. There's a ton of kids there. And I overheard Corinne say to another girl, I used to be three and now I'm four. And the little girl exclaimed, me too. And they were automatic best friends and played together the whole rest of the time we were there. It was so cute and it kind of struck me that Corinne was demonstrating that making friends doesn't have to be scary and complicated like we sometimes think it is. All you have to do is be friendly and strike up a conversation and share something about yourself and you never know what you'll find in common with the people around you. You may even discover that you have both once been three and then turned four. And as adults, we tend to overthink and overanalyze every social interaction that we have. And we can get so wrapped up in our own thoughts and fears about being judged that we don't show up as our best or real selves. We kind of sabotage our efforts at friend making because we're so focused inward and how we're on like how we're appearing to others that we become overly anxious and don't stay open and curious to learn about the other person, which is how you make friends in the first place. Also, sometimes we tend to have set ideas in our heads about how many friends we should have or what friendships should look like. And those ideas tend to get us stuck and and not serve us well. So I think we would all do well to take a page from Corinne's friend-making book and just put ourselves, our real selves out there and see what happens. I believe that when we do that, we will attract our tribe to us. So next story, I'm calling it Luke and the parable of the cookie and the chocolate. So recently I was sitting at my desk working on something and enjoying a piece of delicious Mrs. Cavanaugh's chocolate. And if you haven't tried their chocolates before, you totally should. It's my favorite chocolate in Utah. And we happen to move into the neighborhood, um, same neighborhood as the owner. And she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So Mrs. Cavanaugh's chocolate, check it out. Anyway, I was sitting there and enjoying this chocolate when I heard my one and a half year old baby Luke coming towards my door. And as any good mother would do, I quickly hid the box of chocolates before he got to me. <laughs> um, and But as I was pulling him up onto my lap, I realized that there was still that one piece of chocolate that I had been eating sitting on my desk with a bite out of it. and using my, again, well-practiced chocolate hiding ninja mom skills. I swiped it from the desk as I was pulling him up and he didn't even notice. And I had this huge wave of relief. I was like, oh, that was so close. And thought about what was just narrowly avoided. And he had been eating a cookie and was perfectly happy and content with the cookie. But had he noticed the chocolate that he wasn't allowed to eat, he would have immediately forgotten any deliciousness that he was currently enjoying and would have just been really angry about not being able to have the chocolate. (laughs) So I've gotten some traction out of this story as I've shared it with my six-year-old who, like the rest of us, tends to occasionally look around at what other people have and then let that outward looking make him forget to be grateful for the things he does have that do bring him joy. And I've told him, and I believe this, that the secret to happiness is two words, gratitude and love. So next time you catch yourself dissatisfied with your own life because you're looking at someone else's, remember the parable of the cookie and the chocolate. (laughs) All right. This next story is one of my favorite stories. My favorite kid stories. It's not even about my own kid, but um, shortly after we moved into the house that we currently live in, we were getting ready to go on a walk as a family to a bird refuge that's near our house and Jace's new best friend in the neighborhood, Milo, he lives just across the street, was over and playing. And, you know, we were getting ready to go and it takes 20 minutes to a half hour to get out the door every single time we want to go anywhere. And so we were in the process and invited Milo to come with us to the bird refuge if he wanted to. And he did want to, so we said, okay, run over and ask your mom if you can come. So he disappeared for a little while and came back and he was getting ready to go with us again. And I was like, oh, did you ask your mom? Are you allowed to come? And he said, yeah, she said I could go if I wanna be grounded for a week. And I do wanna be grounded for a week, so I'm coming. Like, it killed me. I was dying. It was so funny. And then Thane tried to reason with him and he was like, But Milo, if you get grounded for a week, then you can't play with Jace. To which Milo responded, Yeah, but I'll just play with Play-Doh for a week. And then when I'm done being grounded, I'll play with Jace again. <laughs> you really like can't argue with that kind of <laughs> logic. So we did we did take him home before we went on our walk. And fortunately he didn't fight it. <laughs> but it was, yeah, one of my favorite memories. <laughs> so While we might agree that the direction that milo decided to go with his mom's response was perhaps not the best i think we can all agree that this is an example an excellent example of confident decision making and we can learn a lot from this exchange about choices and consequences and understanding them and then taking resolute action so we can also learn about willingness to be corrected which again i'm grateful for (laughs) okay so the next one is carver in the car Sorry, I've named all of these. (laughs) You might get some of the the, um, titles if I forget and read them to you. So back when Corinne was three, so this was about a year before she met her friend at the zoo, she developed appendicitis and it was really unexpected and scary. And she was in the hospital for four days because her appendix actually burst. And it it was exhausting. I spent most of the time in the hospital with her. And there's one day, I don't know if it was during that time period or right after it, but I was taking a turn away from the hospital and was driving somewhere with Carver who was five at the time. And I was talking to him and thinking and worrying about how things had been shaken up in our lives and by this experience. And I was worried about him and I apologized for being gone so much and not being available for him. And he heard me out and then he was like, but we're together now. (laughs) And it was this beautiful reminder to me that I could stop stressing and worrying about the past and recognize and appreciate the current moment. I really believe that being present allows us to fully be alive and experience the joys that are available to us in the here and now that we'll miss if we're focused on the past or on the future. It's just, it's funny to think about because in that moment, I was actually with Carver. And so I'd be much better off enjoying being with him than stressing out about how I hadn't been with him over the past few days (laughs) So little kids are just so good at living in the moment. And I've had a few experiences where I've asked my son, Jace, he's my he's one of my kids that doesn't tend to hold a conversation very well with me. And so I try to like pull information out of him. So I've asked him a few times in the past, like, what is your favorite thing to do? Just trying to start a conversation. And usually he'll tell me the thing that he's doing right then, <laughs> or that he's just barely done. And I don't know if he's just, that's the only thing he can think of because that's what he's doing right then. Or if he's just really that good at living in the moment. And I think that's probably it. It's awesome if we can decide that whatever we're doing right now is our favorite thing. (laughs) And I think that we have that power to choose to love it. No matter what it is, if we're in that moment, we can just say, you know what? My favorite thing is this thing that I'm doing right now. And while we might not want to choose that in all moments, I think we'd be a lot happier a lot more of the time if we decided to choose it more frequently than we do. Okay. So another story. The other day I overheard an entertaining for me conversation between my eight-year-old Jace and my three-year-old Kayla. Kayla said, I'm going to be a fairy or a butterfly when I grow up. And Jace attempting to correct her misunderstandings about reality responded with, you can't be all those things when you grow up. And Kayla fiercely yelled back at him, you can't tell me what I can do. (laughs) It was awesome. And I stepped in because I wanted to encourage Kayla to speak kindly to her brother. But I also wanted to point out to Jace that when he was three, he wanted to be an otter. So he should just let her have her dreams. But this exchange sparked some thoughts for me. For instance, sometimes it's good for us to have unrealistic goals and to defend them fiercely in our hearts. And that we can stand up for ourselves against naysayers that would discourage us from our dreams. And we may not be able to grow up to be a fairy or a butterfly, but we can choose to believe in things that we can't even see the possibility of fulfillment of right now. And as we do, so we will be inspired to work to make that possibility possible. So we just need to remember impossible dreams are what have sparked every great invention and every progressive step in technology and inspired all of the people who do great things in their lives. So if you have desires to learn and grow and become that seem out of reach or maybe intimidating, remember the confidence of a three-year-old and just decide that you're going to become what you most want in life. And as you live into the belief of it, you will in fact become it. Pretty cool how that works. I also think it's worth mentioning that we would do well not to be the one discouraging others from their dreams and to let them believe in themselves. And we may feel that in order to be our true to our best selves, we want to offer them our perspective or advice, but crushing dreams does not generally endear us to anybody and help can be proffered in more encouraging ways. So next time you feel so inclined to crush some child's dream, don't do it. <laughs> okay, any thoughts so far? Any other, like, is this sparking any ideas for you guys? I don't have much to say, but I was just a lot of them resonate with me. And although they're children's, that from children's um, mouths, it's very. Yeah, you know, I'm almost forty, and I still need to learn these lessons, <laughs> right? Me too. This is this is why we're having this conversation. <laughs> so thank you, Jazz. All right. So our next story is about Sterling. There are actually kind of a lot of stories about Sterling. I hope that the other kids don't be upset about that, but he's taught me a lot of things. So. One of my favorite Sterling stories is from one of his birthdays, and you need to get a little background to understand this. We have eight people in our family, and we have a birthday season, and it's from April to August, mostly. So seven of our family members have birthdays within those five months, and poor Sterling has to wait until November for his birthday. And this has been very challenging for him. Every single year that he's been old enough to recognize what a birthday is. And he'll start in April when our, you know, the birthday season starts. Mine is actually the first. And he will start in April asking how many days until his birthday, which is again in November. (laughs) So he feels really upset that he has to wait all year for his, until it's his turn. So he's also the fourth kid in the family. So when he was younger, most of the toys in the house were ones that had been collected by his older siblings. So nothing was actually owned by him. So when his fourth birthday finally arrived, he was so happy. And as he was opening one of his presents, we said to him, what is it, Sterling? To which he replied with all of the enthusiasm his little tiny frame could muster. It's mine! (laughs) I love it so much because um, other than this just being a cute response, I think it can teach us an important lesson about being happy about any gift, regardless of what it is. And if we look at what the gift itself means, rather than the details of it, we can appreciate things like the fact that somebody spent time and energy and money towards providing something for us, or that this gift is now something we can take ownership of. And you don't even have to bother with the details of what the gift is to appreciate it and be excited and even ecstatic about having a gift at all. So this next one is actually not from my personal experience, it was very good timing this past week, my friend and neighbor wrote a beautiful piece for a newsletter for the women's organization in my local church. And it happened to be a story about kind of a lesson that she learned from a little kid. And I thought it was really beautiful. So I asked her if I could share it. And she said I could, and it was really nice. But my friend's name is Meg Johnson, and she's an amazing motivational speaker. She was paralyzed when she was in her 20s, her early 20s, and has taken that basket of lemons and made some really impressive lemonade with it. So you should look her up, Meg Johnson. She's awesome. But she did. She gave me permission to share this story, and I hope I can get through it without crying because she's really gifted with words, and I've cried almost every time I've read it thus far. (laughs) Um, Here's what Meg wrote. She said, Shortly after I was paralyzed, I came home from the hospital and tried to get the hang of pushing my new wheelchair. It was hard and awkward. One slightly rainy day when I was practicing outside, I got too close to the edge of the sidewalk and fell into the flower bed. Flower bed sounds a little too exotic. It was more of a loose dirt pile, but it was raining slightly, so it was really just a mud puddle. The only one near me was my two-year-old nephew who came running to help. Are you okay?" He kept asking. He had a speech impediment. He tried to go find help, but no one understood what he was saying. So he just came back outside with me and stood there in the mud in the rain with his hand on my shoulder saying it's okay it's okay. I know that we don't have to actually fall out of any wheelchair to know what it feels like when this life drags us through the mud. All of us are currently experiencing hardships no one can see from the outside, but the weight on our hearts is heavy. As much as we want to, we can't fix a lot of the problems we and others are experiencing, but we can reach out in love and service to others, knowing full well that we can't change anything about their life, but we can show them that we'll be there for them and with them in their mud and in their rain with our hand on their shoulder saying it's okay. That's the sweetest. <laughs> I love that story. Okay. Next story is about Sterling and his stuffed animal. And I actually shared this experience on social media recently. So you may have heard it already, but I believe it's worth repeating. So when Sterling was four or five, he had, a, and he still has this stuffed animal ladybug and he named it Baby and he loved it so much. He slept on it and he carried it around and he played with it all the time. And one day his friend L came to play and he was so excited to show her all of his toys and give her all of his things, including Baby. <laughs> And I asked him, I was really worried about this. I was like, Sterling, are you sure you want to give baby? Like you could just let her borrow it and then you could get it back. And he was like, no, I want to give it to her. He, he was bound and determined. So I let him. And then the next day I asked him about it and he said he was sad that he had given it away and like had tears in his eyes, but he was not going to ask for it back. <laughs> and my heart was just, breaking. So I spoke to Elle's mom about it and she didn't hesitate to say that he could have it back and that Elle wouldn't miss it at all. And he was thrilled to have it again. So he did get reunited with baby. But as I was thinking about that experience, I kept going back and forth in my head about it. And I felt like on the one hand, he had set such a beautiful example of giving away freely and not holding on to material things. But then on the other hand, maybe he was just showing a lack of understanding of how the world works and that things cost money and, you know, immaturity and assuming that his parents could and would just buy him another one. Then I took it a level deeper and was humbled at the thought that maybe he was actually showing me an even higher path of faith and abundance that I could learn from. And maybe he trusted that even if he gave away the thing that he loved so much, his parents would provide for him. Or maybe he wasn't even thinking about getting his stuffed animal back and was only thinking in that moment of the joy that baby would bring to his friend. And maybe he wanted that joy for his friend more than he wanted to keep his toy. So I'm still, as I think about this, I'm still in awe of his purity and the sweetness of this experience with him. And I think if we can be more focused on trying to help others experience joy, our own lives will be more full. And if we can recognize and remember that all the things that we have are gifts in the first place, and trust in the providence of heavenly parents or the universe or whatever higher power we believe in we can more easily take an abundance mindset and give more freely and liberally of our substance which will only serve again to fill our hearts with joy and most likely attract even more abundance to us it's this beautiful cycle <laughs> and i was really grateful for sterling's sweet innocence in teaching me that lesson we're going to rewind a couple more years to another story about Sterling and toys. When he was probably one and a half or so, he was playing at home and he had a small toy in each hand. And I don't remember how the situation came about, but for some reason I had a bigger toy. I think it was a ball that he wanted. And so I offered it to him and it was clear that he really wanted it, but he would not let go of the toys in his hands in order to receive the bigger toy that he wanted. And it was such a small little thing, but it really struck me and made me think about how often we adults do something similar to that, where we may say that we want something bigger in our lives, whether that's some kind of greater purpose or a goal that feels grand and maybe just out of reach. And yet we may be unwilling to let go of the smaller things that are preventing us from achieving that goal and a greater purpose. So once we put those things down, our hands can be free to reach up and out and work to receive those greater things if we desire it. So it just seems so simple, right? (laughs) But really, it's not as simple as it seems. Okay, here's another Sterling story. This was cute. The other day, just recently, so he's six now. We were watching a show called The Wizard of Paws, which is a sweet show about a guy who makes prosthetics for animals who are missing limbs. And Sterling asked me, is The Wizard of Paws real? (laughs) Is he just really was wondering, is this real or not? And it kind of, it was a cute and a funny question, but it made me realize that kids really don't know, especially today with the advancements in computer generated graphics. Like it's, it's hard to tell sometimes if things are real or not. And even though this is, you know, it's like a reality show, (laughs) it's very real. um, But he wasn't, he wasn't sure. So it's hard for kids to know the difference between reality and not when it comes to TV shows and movies. And perhaps it would behoove us adults to question if what we perceive as reality is actually real (laughs) a little bit more, because I think we tend to assume that we know what is real and what's not, but there's a lot of deception that's happening in the world and in the media right now. So even if we can tell a CGI dragon and know that it's not real, um, we might be fooled by a fake news story or a deep fake video. So it's probably worth it to not assume that we can't be fooled and to be more open to questioning what we perceive as reality in order to avoid deception. And I'm not suggesting that we become paranoid or fearful just that we employ some humility and be open to questioning our assumptions, as this may serve us very well. Here's another. Sterling, this one has Jason in it too, though. Story. So we subscribed to Amazon Music a while back, and we let each of the kids have their own playlist, which was funny. It's really cute to hear them say, you know, little like six-year-old Sterling, Mom, put that on my playlist. So there was a song that we found that everyone liked, but it had one mild swear word in it, and the kids all had it on their playlist. But when Jace realized that there was a swear word in it, he immediately asked me to take it off his list. And it was really sweet and I I did, I took it off his list. And I don't know if Sterling wasn't around or if he just didn't catch it or something, but he somehow missed that there was a swear word in this song. And then months later, just recently, he realized that the song had a a swear word in it. And he asked me, did they make that song before that word became a swear word? Why did they use that word? Can you take that song off my playlist? I don't like it anymore. It was so sweet. And I loved that example that these kiddos set for me. They're just so pure and want to avoid anything that could be bad. And I loved Sterling's genuine confusion as to why anyone would intentionally use a bad word in a song and his assumption that it was probably, it probably just wasn't a swear word when they wrote it. And that's how it happened. He <laughs> was just so sweet and so innocent and so willing to assume the best about other people. And I know that I was just in the last story telling you to keep your eyes open and be guarded against deception, (laughs) but I also think it's important and wise to keep our hearts and our minds open as well to the idea that others' intentions could be more pure than we initially may want to believe. And as long as our safety isn't in jeopardy, I think it's perfectly appropriate and even helpful to choose to believe and assume the best of others and their intentions. Because we can never truly see into another person's heart, soul, and mind. We cannot judge the motives behind the things that they do. Even if what we perceive we think is inappropriate or wrong. So I submit that we get to feel a lot more peace if we can assume that everyone is just doing their best. And that doesn't mean that we allow people to mistreat us or that we don't make judgment calls as to what we continue to expose ourselves to or not, but it does free our hearts and minds of the pain and self-righteousness that comes with assuming negative intentions in others. This next one kind of goes a little bit along the same lines of judging. We, we can go there, but a while back on a Sunday, and this was before we started bribing the children to help us to get to church on time. Um, we were sitting in the back at church in the echoey overflow area in the gym. And it was during the prayer on the sacrament, which is obviously a time that's supposed to be quiet and reverent. And Kayla was probably two years old. And I think S- so Sterling must've been around four And Kayla started jabbering, talking during the prayer, and Sterling jumped on the opportunity to correct her misbehavior. And he shushed her very loudly and practically yelled at her to be quiet because it was prayer time. (laughs) And the irony of his emphatic and boisterous hushing was not lost on me and caused me to reflect on the ways that we adults can sometimes get caught in similarly oblivious missteps. So it's significantly easier to look around and notice the ways that other people are misbehaving or doing it wrong. When ironically, the very act of making those judgments is itself a misbehavior. (laughs) And sometimes in our attempts to correct others, we can end up causing more of the exact problem we were trying to mitigate. So I want to be careful to point out that I believe there's a difference between unrighteous judgment or our condemning others and judging or discerning that certain behaviors are not what we want in our lives. And there's an important distinction here. And I think in our world today, the lines between being wisely discerning and critically judgmental are often blurred and confused. And it's just really important for us to make sure that we're clear on that distinction. So (laughs) those are the stories I had to share. There were a couple other little silly things that I could throw out there if you guys are interested, but these are like the main stories that I've been thinking of. There were a couple other like silly little things that I just, again, I hadn't written out any, anything like I did on these ones, but yeah, just kind of (laughs) how sometimes I notice this in my children and then I notice it in me and it's frustrating, (laughs) but like, it drives me crazy when it's time for some, especially certain ones of my children, but it can happen with any of them where I, you know, they have a chore to do that I know would take them less than less than 10 minutes, probably less than five minutes, if they would just start it and just do it. (laughs) And they spend 30 minutes to an hour or longer complaining about how it's going to take so long (laughs) to get this (laughs) thing done. And it just, it drives me crazy because they would, if they just start, then it would be over and we would all be able to move on with our lives. (laughs) Um, But it's that all or nothing thinking that's just paralyzing to them. They just, they can't move past it. And I, I so frustratingly can relate to that because I like, I have a desk that I need to clean. I'm like, I I need to do this, but I know it's going to take me so long. And so I don't even start. And so that idea of just really like black and white thinking or all or nothing can be pretty make us get stuck. So I need to learn from that more. And I know that, that I need to know that, but it's a work in progress. The other thing that is kind of silly, but I've thought about is listening to our bodies. I find myself telling more than one of my children, uh, usually more than once a day, go to the bathroom. You, I can see that you need to go to the bathroom. And actually, it was really cute. The other day I went to pick up Sterling from school and I was a little bit late. So he had to go in and wait for me in the office. And I went in and he wasn't there. And the secretary was like, I think he's in the bathroom. He was doing the dance. And I knew, I know that dance. I've got kids too. And she was like, and I asked him if he needed to use the restroom. And he said, no, but I, you know, I took him back there and he he's using it. So anyway, so I got him, he came out and we went in and got in the car. And he said, mom, apparently they call a bathroom, a restroom, <laughs> <laughs> it was so cute because apparently he didn't know that that's what it was called. Um, oh. Otherwise, maybe he would have been willing to go sooner. But yeah, anyway, I, I say very frequently, listen to your body. And I tell my kids that all the time, but I don't always do it myself when it comes to eating food or, <laughs> or like getting the rest that I need or things like that. So it's, again, it's another lesson that I tell them all the time, but would do well to try to take in for myself, <laughs> And little babies are so good at that. I like, I don't know what age they stop, but I've always been impressed with my like one year olds who will be eating. And I know it's something that they like, and then they'll just stop and push it away because they're done <laughs> like, or they'll <laughs> throw it on the floor more likely, <laughs> but it's still impressive. Maybe I should start throwing my food on the floor and then it'll be more fun to stop. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> lessons, lessons that children teach us. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for being here and for watching or listening. I hope the things that have been shared have been helpful and inspiring. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and share this with your friends. And please remember that I do coaching and would love to help you or someone you love to work through whatever challenges you're facing. You can hire me or get on my free coaching wait list. That's a list for people who don't want to pay for whatever reason and are willing to wait for a coaching session whenever a spot opens up. I do two to three of these per week and just rotate through the list. I do this because I believe so much in the power of coaching and want to make it available to everyone. Visit my website, www.lifeinspiredcoach.com to read testimonials, find out more about coaching and contact me if you'd like to be coached. Thanks again, see you next time and keep seeking an inspired life.